102.5 FM, KXSFLP San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. You're tuned in to Spark, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. How many times are you willing to be rejected before you walk away? Three, five, or ten? Astronaut Clayton Anderson was rejected 14 times by NASA before he became an astronaut. Since he could only apply once a year, it took 15 years. Today he will share his story and never give up mantra in his quest to become an astronaut. Thank you for joining me on Spark today, Astronaut Anderson. Roger Houston, uh, glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) When did you know that you wanted to become an astronaut? There's two answers to this question. My mother told me that I was a six-year-old kid and that we discussed that I would one day become an astronaut. Now, I don't remember that piece, but I remember when I was nine years old and my mother and father awakened my brother and sister and I on Christmas Eve in 1968 and put us on the floor in front of a black and white television in Ashland, Nebraska. And we watched the Apollo 8 astronauts go behind the moon for the first time in human history. And that is the memory that I hold of when I first thought I would want to become an astronaut. Has it turned out to be everything you expect it to be? <laughs> there were things that I believed in when I was nine years old, right? The cool factor of being an astronaut. Um, but when I actually was selected and began to train and, and do some of the things we had to do, there were instances where I thought, well, this is pretty stupid. Why are we doing this? And oh, did I really make the right choice to become an astronaut or uh, You know, maybe I should have done something else. But overall, I loved being an astronaut. I enjoyed the work very much. I enjoyed the opportunities that were presented to me. But uh, just like anything in, in life, there are always positives and negatives associated with every single thing we do. And same was true with being an astronaut. Your story is unique in that you applied 15 times before you were selected as an astronaut. This is certainly perseverance. Well, some would say I persevered, Other would, others might say I was stupid to try so many times, but I tell people all the time that applying to be an astronaut is easy, getting selected to be an astronaut is hard. That was kind of the philosophy I had. Once I had done most of the work early in my career to submit my first few applications, Then it was just a matter of updating your resume, kind of, uh, when you would do something in a year. For example, I got scuba certified one year, and I learned to fly an airplane another year, and things like that. So you're just enhancing your resume a little bit, and you submit it back in. Um, The hard part for me, I think, was that even though I was resident at the Johnson Space Center for NASA in Houston, the people that needed to see me or, or to know me or to see my work ethic, uh, it was hard to get in front of those people. It was hard to be exposed to the people that were on the selection committees. Later in my career, 
in year 13, when I finally got an interview, uh, those things began to happen for me. I began to be involved and do work with folks that actually could make or break my astronaut application. And apparently I impressed them because I would be selected in year 15. So for people who are applying, let's say, to graduate school or a job that's really competitive, mm-hmm. What would you say? Would you say you just keep on persevering and show interest? Or the question is, how do you get in front of those people? I was never a big networker. I think today it's not so much what you know as who you know sometimes. And people can always use that. If You know, I, I know my son, he's a, he's a very talented young man, but he refuses to tell people that his father's an astronaut because he wants to succeed on his own. I'm very proud of him for that. I think that what I would tell people is, you have to have a dream. That's the first step. If you don't dream to do something, then what else is there? Second to that, then you have to persevere in your pursuit of that dream. But the other two points are you don't have to be a genius. You have to realize that in order to succeed at anything in life and, and to reach that dream that you have, you don't have to have a, uh, be an intellectual tower of, of smarts. You just have to be above average. And you have to be a hard worker. And then the fourth thing I would tell people is you have to be true to who you are. You you cannot change who you are to become an astronaut. You you need to be the person that you were born and raised to be and be honest and forthright and upfront and truthful with everyone because then they can actually see who they're selecting. And anytime somebody goes to – get an advanced degree or to become an astronaut or they have a job that they uh, are pursuing with all vigor, I think the best way to get success is to just be yourself and don't go off and do a bunch of things that aren't you simply because you're trying to reach this goal. And I'm a big believer in presenting yourself upfront, honestly, and without any phoniness. It's clear to me because I think people can see through what you're not than what you are. I certainly hope so. I mean, I've tried my entire life and my, and my career, especially at NASA, to be an honest, hardworking, straightforward, and a talker, right? I'll tell you what I think. I will try to use appropriate words and not condescend and and be empathetic, but I'll tell you what I think. And then it's up to you to deal with what I've told you, and if we do that constructively, right, we can we can have success. We can reach mutual success. And I think that's where we have a problem today in America sometimes is people speak out, and, and rather than others listening and, and accepting and trying to have a conversation, we just poo-poo each other and, and start throwing nasty words across social media. What's interesting about your story, though, is you have conveyed that you work comfortable never becoming astronaut, and yet you were persistent. I had a dream. I I wanted to become an astronaut, but you also have to have reality. (laughs) The odds of me becoming an astronaut were astronomical, no pun intended. And I knew that going in. I'm a realist, right? I know that there are thousands of qualified people that could be astronauts equal to my talent or better. But what I tried to do, what I tried to do was bring the whole package. I wasn't just some intellectual, and I'm I'm not an intellectual, but I'm 
I was an athlete. I was smart enough. I was a good people person. I worked well in teams, good ideas. I can turn those ideas and implement them into reality. I can, I can work with other people to get to solutions. There's a lot of traits and characteristics that they look for, at least I hope they do or think they do, in astronauts. You just, you can't just be some smarty pants from MIT or Caltech or somewhere. Just that won't get you in the door. There has to be more to you. And that's why I'm such a big advocate of the honesty, the openness, the forthright uh, attitude to let people know who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in. Then they can make a smart choice as to whether they want you as an astronaut or as an as a employee or not. You're also an advocate of being well-rounded. Oh, absolutely. I think the more well-rounded, and let's just talk American folk kids, the more well-rounded Americans are, the better citizens they make. I understand that some people focus, for example, on playing a musical instrument, and that's all they do. And that's fine for them, but I think that you can do that, and you can also be active in your community. You can do things for others. You can, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to be well-rounded, to know a lot about a lot of things, because I think that makes you a better person, uh, a better teammate, and a better citizen. Backing up, did you ever feel that you were barking up the wrong tree, or it was becoming clear that it's not the path for you? Like, how does one decide that this is it? It's not going to happen. Let's see. It was year 13. Uh, my wife and I traveled to Seattle, Washington to visit some friends and to actually look for employment, you know, perhaps with Boeing or somebody like that. And, uh, you know, I'd been zeroed for the first 12 years of my astronaut application. Uh, the only feedback I got was that I got a little card that said, hey, we received your application. And that's all they say. So I was feeling pretty down, and I was thinking, well, this isn't going to happen. So we went to Seattle to look for employment. And when we came back from that trip, a few days later, maybe a week, was when I actually got the call for my first interview in year 13. At that point, my flame was relit. I was focused back on trying to become an astronaut because I was closer. Uh, when you get that interview, when you reach that stage of the process, they're seriously considering you. So I felt, well, that's a pretty good thing that they're going to do an interview for me. I didn't get selected in year 13, but I was, my enthusiasm was renewed a little bit, and I updated my application in years 14, and then 15 I got interviewed again and selected. Yeah, there were times when I thought about quitting. Uh, I'm not a quitter. My history of my life and my family, the way they raised me, uh, the Anderson kids were not allowed to quit. Uh, I got pretty close in my pursuit of astronaut, but fortunately I didn't. So it sounded like you prepared differently each time. You added new experience, new information, something different about you. You just didn't resubmit that application in the same way you would have the first two times, perhaps. Like everybody, you kind of listen to the grapevine and you hear uh, who gets selected, and then you read their resume and you see that they jumped out of an airplane or climbed Kilimanjaro or uh, got their pilot's license or scuba dove into a volcano or whatever the heck they do, you want to enhance your resume as best you can. But some of that is beyond people, right? Some people can't afford to go get scuba certified or learn to fly an airplane or, or jump into a volcano, right? Those certain opportunities are presented to certain people. Uh, not everybody has that capability. One of the things I loved 
and uh, worked really hard at was officiating men's and women's basketball. And I would rise in the ranks as a basketball official to referee some Division One games for men and some junior college games. And, and that was something I could bring to the astronaut selection board table that no one else could bring. There, you know, I'm the only uh, astronaut that ever refereed a men's Division One basketball game. So that helped me stand out. Now, I didn't do that simply because I wanted to become an astronaut. I did it because I loved it. I loved sports. I loved basketball. If I officiated basketball, I could stay close to the sport. So I was doing that for personal satisfaction, not for an enhancement on my astronaut resume. It just so happened that doing that brought to the table something that no other, no one else had. Stand out in what you love because you're, Absolutely. you're doing what you want to do anyways. And, the, and if you do things that you love, you're going to do them as well as anyone else. And if you do them as well as anyone else, you have a chance to succeed at anything you try, whether it's astronaut, neurosurgeon, firefighter, police officer, teacher, whatever it is. Can you talk about your never give up mantra, what that looks like? I'm a pretty competitive guy. I uh, played competitive sports my entire life, including in college. And I don't like to give up. I don't like to throw in the towel. I think that there is always another way. You just have to think about it. You have to focus on it, and you have to find that other way. Uh, these days, I think too many people just quit. They just, yeah, it's too hard. I'm done. And uh, I wasn't raised that way. Uh, when we were given a job as kids, we couldn't quit. If we started piano lessons, we didn't quit. We, had, we were committed. We had made a commitment to do something. We had requested our parents to in most cases, fund that thing that we were doing, like piano lessons and various things like that. To quit just wasn't an option for my brother and my sister and I. We persevered through everything we did, and I think that's a great quality to have. But even if your child hates it? If a child requests to their parent, like I did, I want to play the piano, and the, and the parents give me the opportunity to play the piano, but then when I find out I have to practice the piano... Uh, and I hate practicing the piano, well, so what? I committed to do this task. And you have to set a milestone with your kids. It's not like you're making them do something they hate, but you're making them fit, follow through on a commitment. And that's the piece that's important, to follow through on commitments. In today's world, I mean, look at all the professional athletes that sign contracts, and the next thing you know, you hear they're, they're out of their contract. How did they get out of their contract? They committed to play for five years for Team X for this much money, and then they just jump from that contract. That's something I don't ever, I'll never be able to understand. So you must believe that too many kids are being made winners today just for trying? Yeah, I mean, trying is important, but to give everyone a trophy just because they try, uh, I think that's a bit much. I think that... I mean, that's why competition was invented in the first place. We should all want to be the best. We should all strive to be the best. We shouldn't all just strive to try. If you go out and want to hit a golf ball and you, you try one day, should you get a trophy for that? I don't think so. But if, if you enter a competition with 10 other kids and the person who hits the ball the farthest or whatever gets rewarded, I, I think that's okay. I think that we have a society today maybe that needs to look back back where we're not just rewarding kids for just participating. 
because participation doesn't always bring forth the best effort from that participant. What about your use of a NASA plant train and fly mm-hmm. philosophy? What does that look like and how do you apply it? NASA is pretty good at understanding what their mission is. And in order to do that mission, you, you plan for it, you train for it, and then you execute it. And that's a philosophy I think many people can use, uh, regardless as to what it is. So you put your goal out there. Well, how are you going to achieve your goal? Well, you should plan what's necessary for you to achieve it. You should train or learn or grow in your skill set such that you can execute that goal. That mantra of plan, train, and fly or plan, train, and execute uh, works for anything. It works for simple, simple tasks. If you have to write a paper for college for your professor, well, what do you do? Well, you should plan, right? You should lay it out. What's the schedule? When's the paper due? I need to start now. Do I have to do research? Well, that's part of the execute plan and train, right? You've planned it. Now you train, you go to the library, you read, you learn, you get better, and then you execute. You write the paper and turn it in. What are your out-of-this-world insights for those who want to be able to dream big and achieve it? You have to have that dream, and you have to persevere in the pursuit of that dream. You have to understand that you don't have to be a genius to achieve that dream. And you have to be comfortable with who you are, and you have to be proud of who you are. I think if I could give anybody any insights, those four things would be insightful steps to success, perhaps. Well, I mean, the bigger your dream the greater the fall, right? And that's why a lot of people are afraid to dream big. I don't buy into that. You don't buy You don't believe there's a greater fall. So what? You fail? You fail at something? Big deal. Get up off your duff and try again or get up off your duff and make yourself better for the next thing. I mean, not everybody can be an astronaut. So if you try to be an astronaut and you fail at it, does that mean you're a total failure in your life? Of course it doesn't. It just means you didn't become an astronaut. So go do something else that's important and cool and good. You have to go through life with two buckets, imaginary buckets in your hands. One has the things you like, and the other has the things you don't like. And as you carry those buckets throughout your life, some things will move from one bucket to another. Based on your personal experiences, you may have a great teacher, and, you, and they, may, they may excite you about something that you hated all through high school. And those are things you have to keep actively looking at, like figuring out what you love to do. But yeah, you're going to fail along the way. I mean, how many of us tried to ride a bicycle and and fell off before we figured out how to balance and ride it ourselves? And then when you did that for the first time, it was a huge triumph. I'll go into this uh, big failure thing. I'm sorry, but I just don't. What about with the current pandemic? And when many people feeling that their dreams have come down crashing, it's not where it's we would be today if it wasn't for the pandemic? Now, the pa- most, too, too many people are fearful of the pandemic. The pandemic is, is not something to be afraid of. Uh, and unfortunately, our media and all in the, the crap on social media tries to scare everybody. And it's working. And you know what? During the, the year that we were all locked into our homes, did people go out? Did they walk outside? Did they exercise? Did they learn a new skill, maybe take up piano playing or something in their house, right? You, you got to look at everything as an opportunity to make yourself better. You can still use that to your advantage if you plan, if you train, and if you execute, right? If you, you come up with something new, 
You don't like your situation? Well, come up with something new. Don't wait for somebody to do it for you because that's liable to not happen. The pandemic should be looked at as, as an opportunity to, to change and to grow in another way. And, and yeah, you have to be smart and you don't want to get sick and you don't want to have a, a family member get sick. But there are other things you can do. We we can't just sit by and be victims of all this stuff. What are your plans, your next big plans? My next big plans? Well, I have a new children's book coming out in late 2022 or early 2023. I'm excited about that. I'm still teaching at Iowa State University. We have a couple cool things that we're uh, working on there that uh, may have impact down the road. I'm looking forward to getting back on stage to speaking live in front of people with no mask on my face. And who knows what will happen next. My wife and I, we're empty nesters now, and we're looking to travel. Uh, and who knows where we'll travel to, but I'm excited about my future, about our future. I do have a question in, in that when you were going through the application process, mm-hmm. backing up to that, did you have tremendous support when you were going through it, and that's what carried you through those 15 years? Or would you say you had a lot of naysayers and you just had to push through them? When I started applying, it was 1983. So it was just me in Houston, Texas, and my family back in Nebraska. And yeah, they supported me. They they supported my efforts to become an astronaut. I'm sure there were naysayers. Oh, you'll never do it. It's too hard. And you know, you're not, you don't have a a PhD. And I remember one boss of mine, he told me, well, if you want to be an astronaut, you need to go drink beers at uh, the Outpost Tavern, which was a popular hangout for astronauts back then. And he said, you need to become a front room flight controller and mission control. And, uh, you know, I looked at him and I said, well, I don't hang out in bars and, and drink with anybody. So I don't think I'll be going to the Outpost Tavern just to drink beers with astronauts. And I never became a front room flight controller, but I did become an astronaut. Uh, you know, yeah, there are naysayers out there for everyone, but uh, if you have the support of your family and you have the personal confidence to move forward, I think that's what's most important, is that no one can have confidence in you until you have confidence in yourself. Okay, wrapping up, can you share your books and where we can purchase them? Four books today. I have The Ordinary Spaceman, From Boyhood Dreams to Astronaut. That's my memoir, the first book I wrote, came out in 2015. I followed that up with uh, two books in 2018. A is for Astronaut, Blasting Through the Alphabet, which was my first children's book. And then we came out with It's a Question of Space, An Ordinary Astronaut Answers Sometimes Extraordinary Questions. That's kind of a a young adult and teen, teenage book. And then uh, my second children's book came out in 2020 entitled Letters from Space. So all of those books are available on Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, uh, but if you want them autographed, you can go to www.astroclay.com, and you can get them there as well. Sleeping Bear Press published the two children's books, and the University, University of Nebraska Press published uh, The Ordinary Spaceman, and It's a Question of Space. Uh, if you go to my personal website, astroclay.com, there's other things you can buy, uh, photographs, patches, apparel. Uh, there's lots of cool stuff, especially for kids. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your story and being on Spark today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much.